Gold salad on the mountain, Dover the hills and everywhere. Gold salad the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, go over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it to the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. tremble when low above the earth ring out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it that Jesus Christ is born. In a lowly manger, humble Christ was born, brought us God's salvation, that blessed Christmas morn. ever stop to think what you would do if you were standing out in a field and the sky opened up and angels were like just started singing have you ever stopped to think we talk about this at christmas time all the time and this year for some reason it like clicked and uh singing that song go tell on the mountain that jesus christ was born down in a lowly manger our humble christ was born like as you think about it and go they were standing in a field and all of a sudden like the skies just opened up and I don't know what I would do. What would you think about that? This next week, think about it. What would you do? Like, would you panic? Would you, would you go, did, did you guys see, am I the only one seeing this? Like, is, you know, is, is, and just stop and think like, what, what would your response be? Like, you'd want to go tell the, everybody, right? But we get to tell everybody. And so, think about that this week, as we keep on singing.
The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder break, a new and glorious morn. stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul fell this world the thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder break a new and glorious morn fall on your knees do
He's the one married to Joy. Is that really? We want to see God glorified in our worship. We do. Uh, that's why we take time uh, to worship God in our personal lives. And that's why we come together. Uh, we come together to worship God as a congregation, as a church. And uh, another thing that we really want to see is we really do want to see spiritual renewal in our lives. Uh, we want to see God do a new work in us. We want our hearts to constantly be warmed in new ways to Jesus. Uh, we want to see spiritual renewal in our lives. We want to see revival in our church. We want to see that. That's the reason we take time on the first Sunday of every month. We come together, several of us come together, and we come together for the purpose of worshiping God and really uh, beseeching God on behalf of our church and on behalf of the churches in our community and our nation that God would send revival. But we want to see revival in our church. And we want to see in our community, we want to see spiritual awakening. Uh, in our community, you can see all kinds of, of just heartache and pain and brokenness. Uh, you can see in our nation, you can see this. And what our nation needs more than anything else is we need to experience something like spiritual awakening. And the reason that we pray is because we believe there's nothing God can't do. Is that right? We talked about it last week. We said nothing is too difficult for the Lord. That is the word of God. That's not my word. That's not my opinion. That's not my opinion about God's word. That is just simply what God's word says. It says that nothing is too difficult. Spiritual renewal in our lives is not too difficult for the Lord. Revival in our church is not too difficult for the Lord. And spiritual awakening in our community and our nation is not too difficult for the Lord. And so we ask God to do what only he can do. And right now, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to lead you in a prayer. This is a prayer I pray almost every day for our church, uh, that I pray for my life, that I pray for uh, our community and our nation. And so I want to lead us in prayer right now. God, on behalf of our church, we want to humble ourselves and pray. We want to seek your face above all things. God, we want to humble ourselves. We want to pray. We want to turn from anything and everything. Uh, everything, God, that gets in the way of seeking you wholeheartedly. Lord, we want to, we want to pray, God, for healing in our land. God, we see in our nation around us and we see in our world a lot of pain. We see things like the tornadoes last week that ripped through parts of the south. 
We, we see things like, like, um, like global warming. We see things like just catastrophic drought in our, our state. We see things like just massive, huge fires. We see things, God, like pestilence, like COVID. God, we know from your word that sometimes you bring judgment on a nation and on a people when they forget to put you first place in all things. And so, God, right now, what we want to do is we want to pray on behalf of our community, on behalf of our nation, that you would bring revival and awakening. Help us, God, to turn from anything, everything that replaces you as our first priority. And God, we pray that you would forgive our sins and bring healing to our land. And we pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. So come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Sing, we'll give you all. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the glory. Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, this morning we worship you. God, we thank you that we can come and sing. God, we can come and uh, lift our voices. God, we uh, declare that this week as we head into uh, Christmas week. That God, you, you alone are worthy of our praise. You alone are worthy of our, of our time and our energy um, and everything, every step and every breath that we take. God, we worship you this morning. We proudly sing your name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. He is worthy of our praise. He truly is. He is worthy of our devotion. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of having first place in our lives, in every part of our lives. And right now we get to worship God with giving, with our giving and
giving is a very concrete and tangible way for us to put God first in our lives. It's, it's a way of saying, God, everything we have comes from you. And we want to honor you and worship you because of how you have blessed us. And there are five uh, different ways that you can give. First of all, you can give online at solanavalley.org slash giving. You can also tap give on our SBC app. If you don't have our app, you can go in Google Play or the App Store. Just type in Solana Valley Church, and you can download our app and give that way. You can also give by sending a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, 94534. You can also text give to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, you can place your offering in the silver mail slot that's on the wall that is behind our sound booth back there. And as always, we are immensely grateful for uh, your, your generosity and your kindness. And before Pastor Gary comes up to continue his series on Christmas stories, take a look at the screens behind me.
you know, this leather belt and, you know, eating locusts and some of the details we'd rather not have. All right. Thank you. Uh, so we, we see, uh, see all of that. And, um, and, and so, but in the scriptures, when there's not as much detail, the detail that's there is absolutely crucial. There are some details that if we're not careful, we get hijacked by the detail and we miss what's most important. And so when people like Matthew, people are like Luke, they're telling the stories, the Christmas stories. They want us to get what's really important. They don't want us to get lost in unnecessary detail. So today we're going to look at the story of Joseph uh, that that uh, Matthew records. We're going to be looking at the story of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, the story of Joseph. And in this story... Uh, what Matthew does is he answers some really important questions. He answers questions like, well, who is Jesus really? Uh, how did the birth of Jesus come about? And why and how was his conception and his birth significant? Because the conception of Jesus is hugely significant. And the birth of Jesus is hugely significant. Your salvation where you spend eternity, my salvation, where I spend eternity, are dependent on the important detail that Matthew captures for us in the story of Joseph. I'm going to read for you from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you have your Bible, I'd like to encourage you to open up to that. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to be, I had to, I couldn't find my NIV Bible before I left this morning, so I had to put it in my notes. Uh, but uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV Bible if you have an NIV text in front of you or if you have it on your phone. Uh, but uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew writes this. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Real quick pause. Okay. Pledged to be married. Some uh, some translations will translate it as betrothed, uh, but it's the idea of it's kind of like engagement in our world today. So like right now, uh, a lot of you know that my son Caleb is engaged and he has a fiance. OK, wonderful, wonderful young woman. We're really looking forward to their wedding in March. And uh, but but right now they are engaged in the ancient world. If you were betrothed, you were legally married. Okay, you were the day you were betrothed called husband and wife. You were called husband and wife. You were legally married. The only way that relationship could be dissolved was through divorce or death. Okay, divorce or death. And uh, and the betrothal period lasted for about a year. And in that year, the couple did not come together to consummate their marriage. So you're legally married. But she's still living at home with her parents. He's still living at home with his parents. And actually what the, the, the husband is doing is he's preparing a place for his wife. Very, very interesting. He's preparing a place for his wife. And when he, that year finishes, he comes to his wife at a time that she does not expect. Does this sound familiar to you? He comes at a time that she does not expect. And he brings her home to the place that he's prepared for her. In his father's house. In, 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 the, in, the, in the Bible, oftentimes the Bible talks about, it talks about 
Uh, Jesus as being the groom and the church as being his bride. And what Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 14, he says this, I go to prepare a place for you. It's what the betrothed husband does. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to you so that I might bring you to where I am so that we might be together forever. That what Jesus does is he uses that betrothal imagery uh, to describe his going away. And right now, what Jesus is doing is he's preparing a place for everyone who's called on him to be saved. He's preparing a place for us so that one day he can come again for us so that we might be with him forever. So in this text, um, Joseph and Mary, they're pledged to one another. Uh, They're in the middle of the betrothal period. Uh, Joseph is preparing a place for his soon-to-be wife, or, well, his already wife, but to consummate their marriage. And what the Bible says, his mother Mary is pledged to, 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 to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, underline those words. Before they came together, Matthew wants you to understand something very, very important. There had been no sexual intimacy between Joseph and Mary. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about sexual intercourse. Before, Can you say that in church? Can you say it to a Christmas crowd? That's exactly what Matthew's talking about. Everybody in the ancient world knew exactly what he was saying. No one was ashamed. No one was embarrassed. They were very, very clear about what they're saying. They had not come together. They had not come together yet. Uh, Before they came together, she, Mary, was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And again, those words are hugely important. They mean everything in this text. Remember what I said a moment ago? There's not a lot lot of detail, but the detail that's there, every bit of it, is hugely important. Your salvation, my salvation, depends upon the truth of this text. That, That... Uh, She was pregnant, and she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Uh, Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, literally dikaios, which means to be righteous or just. Because her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Two things to see in Joseph here, righteous and compassionate. He was a righteous man, but he was a compassionate man. In our world today, sometimes we see people who are holier than thou, meaning they look righteous, but they lack compassion. And that is not righteous at all. Joseph was a righteous man, and he was a compassionate man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her Quietly. Now, what I said a moment ago is in betrothal, the only way it can be ended is either through death or divorce. And in the scriptures, there was provision in the community of Israel when one spouse was unfaithful to the other, even during the betrothal period, they could be stoned. At this time in history, though, divorce was the common practice. It almost never was there a stoning at this time in, in the history uh, of Israel because of Rome's command over the nation of Israel. 
And so he decided to divorce her, not publicly to bring public shame on her, but quietly. He was going to end it quietly. He was going to try to be a gentleman. He was going to try to do the right thing for her in this. Verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary uh, home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, circle those words. From the Holy Spirit. Mary was not with another man. Mary had not been with Joseph. What, what, the, what Matthew wants us to see very, very clearly is that Mary was a virgin. She had never at any time ever been sexually intimate with a man. What is conceived in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the angel tells Joseph. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Uh, because he will save his people from their sins. The, the, the name Jesus was the Jewish form of the name Yeshua or, or Joshua, which literally means the Lord saves. And the reason that he was given this name, Jesus, was to say that he is the Lord who saves. Uh, in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill, and that word fulfill, again, I'm sorry, every detail is important. That word is hugely important in the book of Matthew. You're going to see that word. You're going to see that word a lot of times. Okay, you're going to see it over and over again. You're going to see almost this exact same phrase. I think ten different times in the book of Matthew. This took place to fulfill. And then it'll give you a text of scripture from the Old Testament. This took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage. Again, underline that phrase. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Again, Matthew wants to make it very, very clear that Mary was a virgin when she conceived. And he wants to make it very, very clear that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. This is hugely important. Like I said a moment ago, your salvation depends on this, and mine does too. Why is it so important? I'm going, to, I'm going to try to develop that for you real quickly. Let me just give you four points that are hugely important. I'm, I'm going to try to wrap this around four points. I'm going to give them to you quickly, but then I want to go through and develop each one. Four things that you need to see, four life points, four, um, four very, very important principles or truths that are hugely important to understand and build your life on. The first one is this, is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Second, Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Third, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament Scriptures. That is huge in the book of Matthew. And finally, Jesus is Jesus. And some of you are going to say, well, that's obvious. Gary is Gary, okay? But Jesus is Jesus in a very, very meaningful way. I am not Gary as Gary in a real meaningful way. Jesus is Jesus. Why? Because he is the Lord who saves. So let's look at this one part at a time. First of all, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Okay, uh, 
can everybody on this side of the room say hypostatic? Okay, Chuck, try again, okay? Hypostatic. All right, fantastic. Can you guys say union? Union, all right. Wow, that was great. Okay, so uh, can you all say hypostatic? All right, can you say union? All right, now you know a couple of really big words, and you know something that's super important. The hypostatic union is, is the, the meaning of it is simply this, is that in one person, uh, in one person, there are two natures, two natures. That in Jesus, he is fully and completely God. Okay, he's not part God. Okay, to say that Jesus is part God is to deny Jesus. It's to deny all that the Bible teaches us about Jesus. Anybody who thinks that Jesus, because he's the son of God, somehow makes him less than God, is like saying, Gary, your son Caleb is less significant than you because he's your son. That's not true. It's not true at all. Jesus is the son of God, meaning that he is God in every sense that God the Father, God the Holy Spirit is. He is fully and completely God. And secondly, Jesus is fully and completely man, human. He is completely human in every way that you and I are, except for one thing. We're sinful. He's not. See, sin is not a part of the original nature of man. Sin became a part of our nature through the fall in the, in, uh, in the garden. When the man and the woman disobeyed God in the garden. And they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told them not to eat from. Jesus is fully God, fully man. Where do we see this? Where do we see this? Well, uh, over and over again, over and over again, like in verse 18, in verse 18, uh, uh, Matthew writes that she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that she was pregnant. Uh, and then verse 20, the, the angel says to Joseph, he says, the child that Mary uh, is pregnant with, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He's making it very clear that she has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then it's very, very interesting. Very interesting because what, what uh, Matthew does is he quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. But when he quotes from it, he uses the Septuagint version, the Greek version of the Old Testament Scriptures. And he uses the word virgin, parthenos. And the reason that that's important is because the word parthenos always means there are some words that are sometimes translated as virgin that can mean a young woman who may or may not be a virgin the way we think of a virgin. But the Greek word here is parthenos that is always only used to speak of a young woman who's never been sexually intimate with a man. Okay? It, so, though Matthew is making it very clear that she was conceived by the Holy Spirit, showing that, she, that, that Jesus is fully God. And he's born of a virgin. Remember how Joseph kept her a virgin? And they did not consummate their marriage until the baby had been born? He's keeping her a virgin. And so Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, making him fully God, born of a virgin, making him fully God. And if Jesus were not fully God, he couldn't, if Jesus were not fully man, he could not have been the perfect atoning sacrifice. You know what the atoning sacrifice means? What it means is this, 
is that you deserve to go to the cross. I deserve to go to the cross. I deserved absolutely every part of the brutality that Jesus endured on the cross. I was the one who deserved to be beaten. I was the one who deserved to be stripped naked. I was the one who deserved to have a crown of thorns pressed over my head. I was the one who deserved to be scourged. My body flayed and nailed to a cross. By the way, you were too because of our sin. But on the cross, what we see is we see, we see the, the holiness of God, but we also see the grace of God. That we see God's wrath towards sin, but we see God's grace towards sinners. And because Jesus was fully God, fully man, the perfect bridge between heaven and earth, only he could endure the cross as the perfect atoning sacrifice for you and for me, Jesus is fully God, fully man. Secondly, Jesus is Emmanuel. And I won't spend as much time on this, but basically it's very, very interesting. Is the, uh, this is one that's easy to get lost in, okay? Uh, in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah prophesies to Ahaz uh, that, and uh, in, in he is speaking, Ahaz was an unrighteous king, okay? Uh, the nations of Aram, and the nation of northern Israel were threatening to invade the southern kingdom of Judah. Ahaz was quaking in his boots. Everybody in Jerusalem were quaking in, well, their sandals, okay? But they were afraid, very afraid. And Isaiah said, he said, God is going to give you a sign of this virgin will have a baby and he will be called Emmanuel. And in the, the lifetime of Ahaz, in the lifetime, this was 700 years before uh, the coming of Jesus. Before, uh, before Israel, or excuse me, before, uh, at that time, a child was born. And before he knew the difference between good and evil, God was going to lay waste to the northern kingdom of Israel and to Aram. And eventually in 722 B.C., that's exactly what happened. The Assyrians went through northern uh, Israel, completely wiped it out, completely wiped it out. But what, what, what Matthew does is he takes that prophecy then and he talks about not that virgin then and not that child then, but he talks about a Parthenos, virgin who's never known a man. And he says there's a more perfect virgin, Mary, and there is a more perfect child, Jesus, who will be called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Now, folks, because Jesus is God with us, that gives you and me a really good reason to want to be holy in everything. Because wherever I am, there he is. I am always in the presence of Jesus because he is with me and he's with you. It is a better reason for living a holy life. It's also uh, a reason for encouragement. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what you're going through, and this last year has been hard for some people. We have some people in our church who've lost loved ones. We've had some people in our church who've gone through some really tough times. And this is something I want you to be aware of, is that Jesus is always with you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He is God with us. Third thing I want you to see in the text is this 
is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament Scriptures. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament Scriptures. Here it, it says, um, uh, Matthew quotes from Isaiah. Um, now, all this took place uh, that was spoken by, uh, by the Lord through the prophet. And in, uh, it, all this took place to fulfill. And that word fulfill is very important in Matthew. Because what Matthew's going to do when you read through the book of Matthew, and you may have noticed this if you've ever read through the book of Matthew, is that sometimes he will make an allusion to the Old Testament, and it's, sometimes it feels almost kind of like, okay, how is Jesus that fulfillment to that? And, and the point is in all of this is that over and over again, what Matthew's wanting us to see is not just that Jesus fulfills individual prophecies. This is something I grew up with, and this is wrong. Jesus didn't come just to fulfill individual prophecies. Jesus did all that, but he did much more than that. That what Jesus does, and, and, and we see this most clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you look in your Bible at Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, the words of Jesus. This is not for me to meddle with or for you to meddle with. These are the words of Jesus. This is not the interpretation of Gary. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. Jesus didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. There are a lot of people, they're ready to jettison the Old Testament. They don't like the Old Testament. They like the New Testament. Jesus did not come to do away with the law and the prophets. Jesus said, uh, he says, do not think I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus is the fulfillment, not just of individual prophecies. I've got to read this, okay? I have to find it. Matthew wants it to be very clear to ancient... Okay, Matthew... I wrote it down somewhere. Jesus is more... Jesus is more than the sum of fulfilling all the prophecies... All the moral teachings, every proverb, every poem, every narrative, and all the history of of Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything spoken of in the Old Testament scriptures. Everything in the Old Testament is preparing us for, for pointing us to the coming of Jesus. It's not just a bunch of little stories that are loosely tied together. It is put together with a purpose to point us to the coming of the Savior, Jesus. You know, it, it, it's so fascinating. How many of y'all like, anybody here like to read genealogies? I mean, other than your own on, you know, ancestors, you know, ancestors.com, whatever, you know. You know those genealogies where you get to read your genealogy? You know, no, I'm not talking about that. How many of you like to read genealogies in the Bible? Okay, a couple of people are laughing. I'm seeing a hand go like this, and I know that because that's the way I am, okay? I don't, I'm like, I'm, okay, why is this here? Why is this important? Why is so much focus on all these different people in this line? Okay, okay. As a young person, I would just kind of zip through the genealogies. Sometimes I still do. But when Matthew writes the genealogy of Jesus, he writes it with a theological purpose. What Matthew does is he traces the line of Jesus beginning with who? Anybody know? Anybody? Want to venture a guess? No, he begins with Abraham. 
He begins with Abraham, but you're close. He traces it from Abraham to David. And then he traces the line of Jesus from David to the exile in Babylon. And then he traces it from the exile in Babylon to Jesus. Why is that important? Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. And God made a covenant with Abraham. And God told Abraham, he says, through you, God said to Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That, um, that covenant, that promise was fulfilled through the person of Jesus. You see, it's through Jesus that every family is blessed. It is through Jesus every nation of the earth will be blessed. This is why we should pray for the revival of our nation, the spiritual awakening in our nation. Because it's only through Jesus that we will experience blessing again as a nation. It's through Jesus families can be blessed. This is why regular corporate worship with the people of God is so important for our children and our grandchildren. That's why it's so important for our marriages, for our lives. That through Jesus, every family, every nation will be blessed. But Jesus isn't just the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant God made with David. What is the covenant that God made with David? God told David, one day, one of your descendants will sit on your throne and will reign forever. Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant. Jesus is the one who will take the throne of his father, David, and he will reign and rule forever and ever and ever. What what Matthew is wanting us to see is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the totality of God's law. All of the Old Testament scriptures. Fourth thing I want you to see is this, is that Jesus is Jesus Jesus is Jesus, the Lord who saves. That, 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 that the, the, angel, the angel tells Joseph, he says to him, uh, that you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, <clears throat> when I was born, uh, my parents did not, my dad didn't have an angel appear to him. And uh, the angel didn't say, uh, he didn't say, uh, Norman, you're going to name your son Gary. By the way, anybody know what Gary means? Nobody knows. I feel so hurt. Uh, anybody know, you know what Stephen means? The Greek word is, means, it means crown. Stephanos means crown. Uh, Gary, though, means mighty spear. Okay. Uh, it, it's not like it's it's not like uh, uh, an angel showed up and said, "Now, Norman, I want you to name him Gary because he's going to be a mighty spirit." It's not like that. But with Jesus, the reason he was to be named Jesus is because he is the personification of what his name means. He is the Lord who saves. Jesus is the one and only Savior, and there is no other. Jesus is the one and only Savior because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. 
Jesus is the one and only Savior. Because Jesus is fully God, fully man, who became the atoning sacrifice for your sin and my sin. No one will ever go to heaven because they're a good person. No one. No one will ever go to heaven because they're a good guy or a good gal. No one will ever, no other, no other founder of any religion can make the claim about themselves that Jesus can make. He is the savior of the world because he is fully God, fully man, without sin. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus, the Lord who saves. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the, uh, the worship team to come back up. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus is the Lord who saves. It's because Jesus is fully God, fully man, Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures and, and the Lord who saves that we should repent of our sins, believe in Jesus, and follow him for the rest of our lives. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we give you praise. We worship you because you are fully God and fully man. Because you are Emmanuel, God with us. Because you are uh, Jesus, uh, the Lord who saves. Uh, We praise you and worship you because you are the fulfillment of all that the Bible teaches. Lord, we want to follow you. Uh, We want to... Uh, we want to repent of any and every sin that gets in the way of trusting in you and following you. And, and we want to follow you for the rest of our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Gary, thank you so much. Jesus is the fulfillment of all scriptures. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. And that is why we celebrate. That is why we celebrate Christmas. And you know, this is a busy time of year. We have a lot of commitments, a lot of responsibilities that we have to attend to. And I want to make you aware of a few different things uh, that are coming up that we think are very important. But more than just making you aware of them, we want to encourage you to think, how can I use these things? How can I take advantage of these things to show and share the love of Jesus to my family, to my friends? For example, our Christmas Eve service. It's coming up this Friday at 6, and we're going to be singing some great carols, maybe a tune or two that, you're, that, that you haven't heard before. And Gary's going to lead us in a devotion as well. And I want to ask you to think, who can I invite to this? Who could really use some encouragement and some warm fellowship this week? Same thing goes for our New Year's Eve party. It's going to be right here. On the 31st from 7 to 9 p.m., we're celebrating in the Eastern time zone. Because if you're like me, you have challenges making it to midnight sometimes. Um, please bring, if you'd like to come, please bring an appetizer to share as well as a game. And you can let us know that you're coming by signing up at the welcome table by the uh, uh, front door. And again, I ask you to think, who can I invite to this? Who can join me for this? A uh, couple more things. Number one, next Sunday is the final day to collect food for the Food Bank of Contra Costa in Solano. And I want to say thank you so very much 
for everyone who has donated. The three barrels that the food bank gave us are full. They're full. And yeah, go ahead. You know, way to go, church. Way to go. That's going to bless a lot of families. But we're going to keep the drive going for one more week. So if you haven't participated yet and you'd like to, I encourage you to bring some um, next week. And if you're wondering, like, what do I bring? There are some suggestions right on the front of the barrels as to what you could bring. So, uh, and finally, I'm really looking forward to the new Fruit of the Spirit series that's starting on January 9th that Gary's going to do. And we're also going to have some new small groups that are going to be starting at the first of the year. I mentioned our app earlier during our message or during the announcements. Uh, you can uh, look or find our latest small group information on the app there as well. And there's, uh, again, I would just want to ask you to think, who can I invite to church with me? Who can I invite to join me in a small group? You know, God, you might be the one that God uses to help someone find connection, to help someone find belonging in our church. So thank you very much for listening, Jer- uh, Jeremy. <laughs> Jason. I don't, sorry, I want to hand it over to you. I've been called a lot of things, but Jeremy's not on that list. I didn't. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. I was like, M name, M name, M name. You guys doing all right this morning? Yeah? Ready to close out the service and sing one more? Yes? I asked that earlier, and like three people said yes, so I was just making sure that you guys want to sing. But uh, why don't we stand up as we sing? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Joy unspeakable.
Merry Christmas, guys. Have a great week.